everybody. It's uh, episode six of Relentless. The Relentless is the story of us. It's about our trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, and how we get back up. Uh, with me today on the sixth episode is uh, an old friend of mine. His name is uh, Kenny Cardoza. Uh, Kenny is the um, his, his official title is the Latin American Export Sales at La Mater Vascula. Uh, well, he can correct me again if I have to. If he has to, uh, Kenny, thanks for thanks thank, catch, thank, thanks for uh, catching up with me. I really appreciate that. No, well, thank you for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. This is a great experience, and given that we're in quarantine, you know, um, it's it's a fun thing to do, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm having a blast with it. You know, like it's just, like I told you earlier, this is my sixth one. You know, it's it's just about you know, it, just sharing people's stories. Uh, I had a gentleman on here a few weeks ago, and he, he said it, it's, it's kind of like the story. It's like it's like the real life uh, personification of uh, the people of New York. I don't know if you ever saw that page on on Facebook a few years back. Yeah, and I said yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of that. It's just 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 trying to get some you know, interesting perspectives, and um, you know, I have no agenda, so to speak. It's just you know, I have a couple of things written down, and we kind of just shoot the shoot the you know the breeze for for a little bit and see what's up. Um, so Kenny, you know, I'll let you just kind of catch up with your bio and stuff like that. Cause I, I haven't talked to you since high school. Um, I know we, we share, you know, we, we comment back and forth each other's Facebook page. That's pretty much the extent of our relationship for the last 20 years or so. Uh, so Kenny, if you don't mind, just kind of give us a background of what you've been up to since, since I've seen you in high school. So, well, I mean, like you said, I'm, uh, I'm the sales manager for LeMate. So basically I cover the export market for Latin America and we sell, medical devices uh, to the Latin American market. Um, I mean, given your audience, just to give you a background, we have uh, basically 22, 27 distributors. We have roughly, what, what is it, a million dollar in sales or whatnot. Um, uh, we're a company that, that you know, we have, a, uh, we're listed in the New York Stock Exchange. Um, and we also have, you know, heavy investors from, from the East Coast. I think 60% of our investors are from the East Coast or whatnot. Um, so that's from my professional side, uh, from my uh, personal, well, you know, I, I, we went to high school together in Philadelphia. I left when I was in, uh, I want to say 10th, uh, 11th grade, basically went, moved to Miami. Uh, my father lost his job or whatnot. Um, and you know, you have to realign and, and, you know, huddle in with family. My grandmother was living in Miami at the time. So I uh, decided to move to Miami and then, you know, graduate from high school in Miami. That was an odd experience from going to Philadelphia to Miami. Life was a lot different. Um, uh, I think, you know, in Philadelphia, you have a, a clear identity of a city, right? And and people gravitate towards that identity, regardless whether you're, your family's from Ireland or from Germany, or you've lived in Philadelphia four generations. You kind of have that identity and, and it's sort of fixed, uh, or you know what it is. And in Miami, there is no identity, right? So it was hard for me to, to kind of get along here. So um, I decided to go to school in Michigan, went to a small school called Albion College, um, study, went there for four years, uh, graduated, um, you know, um, went to look for a job. My first corporate job was Stryker, selling medical devices. Stryker is a company out of, out of Kalamazoo. Uh, and here I am speaking with you, and, and you know I always enjoy chatting with you because I think you have a um, a great insight into a lot of things that people might miss uh, from the point of view not only in politics but in in, in general terms. And you know I, I enjoy um, the back and forth because you, <laughs> you see you see a little bit of a of of an intelligent insight, right? And it's kind of like what we're missing uh, in society today that you know we don't have those intelligent insights anymore. Everybody kind of went up, sums everything up on a on a meme, right? And you know, a meme isn't going to change the world, right? I mean, maybe a Facebook post isn't going to change the world, but 
you need to have a little bit of a, a well thought out argument and say, hey, well, this is why I think A, B, C, and D. And that's why I appreciate, you know, exchanging things with you because it seems like you're very well structured when you when you establish your argument. So, and, and that's helpful. That's enlightening. And it also helps me enjoy why I went to school for, right? I mean, I'm in sales. That's what I do. But I really enjoy, you know, discussing politics and policy more than I do uh, selling to a vascular surgeon, right? Because because that's what gets me to pay my bills. But yeah. really, my passion is is more politics, economics, geopolitics, international relation. That's what I like to do. Um, but you know, such as in life, you try and, and get to that place from different avenues. So I mean, I, I'm not sure if that answered your question or that gave. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. And you you've sort of hit on a couple of points I was going to get at, but we'll we'll try to unpack some of this as we go we go through this. But. Uh, Thank, thank you for the compliment. First off, I, I do appreciate that. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, of slow thinking, um, you know, and I, I know we have differing, different opinions on things. And I think that the ability to value each other's opinions has is like a lost art form at this point. It's, 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 it's um, you know, with, with Facebook and with memes, it, everything's the lowest common denominator and you're either with, with you or, or against you. And it's, it's really not, not a healthy environment right now. Um. Let me ask you. So you were, let's kind of. <laughs> so we, we played some sports together. I remember I, was, I kind of mentioned it to you a few minutes ago, but we were in a Spanish class. Um, I made sure I sat next to you because you were the Spanish speaking kid in my in my class <laughs> at the time. <laughs> that was the only value that I brought to the class <laughs> at the time. Yeah, I mean, the, we had we had this nun. She had to be eighty five or something, and somehow some some scheduling fluke. The entire football team got put on her on her in her class and. I, I don't know what happened to her. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming at this point she's probably has passed, but you know, it, it, it was, it, it had to be hell for her. And there's no other way to describe that. And you had these, you know, this bunch no, of and, class. <laughs> and then they realized that I was a native speaker and then they switched me to another class. And I was like with upperclassmen basically. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that. I remember, I remember just sitting right behind you and I was like, Hey Kenny, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> what's, what's, what's up? You know? Um, and, and you kind of hit on this a little bit too. And, and I'm skipping around on my, my agenda a little bit, but you know, it's funny you mentioned how you moved to Miami, and it, there's well, there's just, it's just like a lack of a culture down there. Is that sort of what you're getting at, or what's what's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, remember, it's just like Miami doesn't have. I don't know. I don't know if it's maybe because I'm nostalgic because I haven't returned to Philadelphia since '99. I don't even know what it looks like anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Right? I, I don't know if it's nostalgic, but you know, you you see the Let's Go Flyers on the bus. Uh, yeah, you might have some Cowboys fans here. You might have some New York Giants fans there, but. For the most part, people rally around the city, and there's just kind of like, um, I know it's cliche, but there's a Philadelphia state of mind, right? I mean, okay. and, and, and when you leave Philadelphia, you realize that, because that, people notice notice on me, like, for example, I, I work in Latin America, uh, and people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa you're, you're, you're New York aggressive. Right. Slow down. OK. Um, and Miami kind of doesn't have that because you have people from everywhere. You have people. Well, when I was a kid, you had people mostly from Latin America. Uh, but now you have people from New York. You have people from Chicago. You have people from all parts of the country and people come and go. It seems it feels like, you know, a terminal at an airport. Right. People it's like a, it's a transient. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're not very there for you. And, and maybe it just Miami isn't my type of city. Right. I mean, not everybody can like living in some places, but you know, that's kind of like, uh, what I felt about, you know, Miami, uh, at the time. 
That's pretty cool. I mean, because like uh, I, I, so a little, little background on what I've been up to. I, I've been focusing on uh, pharmaceutical and, and healthcare sales, um, healthcare uh, employees rather for the last you know eight or nine years of my career. So I have a lot of uh, you know executives at some of the larger pharmaceutical firms, and you know like in like things like your, your place where they do get job offers and they have to move. And um, it's interesting because a lot of times we have to talk to them about their stock options, about you know flights back home to see family and friends. And I, I never really just sort of put myself in the shoes of like just losing a culture. And I guess that should be something I'm going to incorporate in my own practice a little bit about just a culture shock. I mean, I've, I've heard like Washington DCs like that too. If you show up like after. You know, it, it, everyone's there for the 20 years, get their 20 years in, and then they get out. Or if they're Congress or whatever, they get there for their, their, their stint in Congress. But nobody nobody's really from there. And that's probably the same thing that I guess you're seeing in Miami just because of the – it's like the, the terminal location for the older folks and, you know, people from Latin America, have, you know, who are just migrating there basically. Yeah, and you have a lot of the younger generation who doesn't want to deal with the cold weather, right? Like you have a lot of people from New York who want to avoid paying taxes, right? Because if you have residents in Florida – and you work in New York and you travel back and forth, then, you know, you can avoid paying taxes because Florida yeah. doesn't have a state income tax, right? I mean, um, it's huge. Yeah. It's a lot of folks are moving down because of that. It's, 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 if you're making significant dollars, you know, that, that, you know, that New Jersey property tax plus your state, your, plus your, 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 your state taxes, it's enough to, to move. You know, <laughs> it's really, it's worth it. Yeah. And the cold, right? I mean, if, if true. Yeah. No, nobody's ever going to say I missed. I miss the the Philadelphia winters, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I guess like the I, you know, I I I've, I love the Keys. I've spent some time at Miami. Um, you know, I, I think like you know, like we 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 went to uh, we we did like an Airbnb down in Orlando. I know it's you know, two hundred miles away from you, but you know, we we're like this is cool. The house was like you know two hundred thousand dollars. There's like two thousand square foot house. I'm like this isn't bad, you know, like for the, for money for the week we had. And uh, I was like, I don't know. The problem is, is like, when do you like? You don't ever see a tree turn brown. It's just unless it's dead. Like it's it's, it's just a, a constant, you know, heat wave. But I mean, I guess it's it's an it's an adjustment. I guess right. I mean, it seems like you you. I guess you like the, the climate, but you it's just the just the the culture is just a little bit different than what you're expecting. No, I mean, like, and then the other thing too is that I'm always on a plane, right? I'm never in Miami. I'm always yeah. traveling. Like for example, I spent a month in Colombia, and I almost got stuck there because of a of the COVID-19 situation. I was a month in Brazil. Um, um, my my way of going about businesses is a lot different, right? People say, hey, I'll travel on a Monday, come back on a Friday. No, I try and, and, and cause you try and understand the culture that you're selling into. You're trying to understand the market. I'm sure you have a lot of, a lot of the same things in your, in, in your side of the of mm-hmm. business, right? Um, so, I mean, I've never, I'm never in Miami. So part of it is that, and then I went to school in Michigan, right? So Michigan, um, uh, I always say that, you know, Philly gave me sort of like that aggressive style of getting things done and moving things forward. And Michigan made me kind of like aggressive with a smile, right? So <laughs> in the Midwest, yeah. uh, very nice to open the door for you. Um, it, it's just, uh, it, it's, it, people are genuinely, they're just, they're caring for other people. Um, you know, they'll wait at the intersection to get off. They're not going to, you know, cut around or whatnot. I mean, it's a different sort of, it's a different sort of identity. So once you have Philadelphia and Michigan and you go back to Miami, you're like, no. Uh, and even though you know, those two city, those two states, Pennsylvania and Michigan, well, Pennsylvania at maybe from Harrisburg, like Pittsburgh area, 
might be a little bit more similar to Michigan. Philadelphia is a lot different. Uh, but you have identity. And what I mean by identity is like you feel kind of like you gravitate towards something. In Miami, you don't feel that. You feel that, you know, you're like, okay, this person arrived from Argentina or from Brazil, uh, but yet they're with the Brazilian people who live here, right? They don't integrate. There's no integration. It's okay. very fragmented. Um, and you don't see that sort of like, um, and, you know, human beings love love to be social. They love to to integrate and they love to, and maybe it's, from my point of view, it's a lot different because I've always had to go to a new place and make friends, right? Yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't the case in Miami. Like I I might have one or two friends that that I have from high school, but I don't even speak to them, right? It wouldn't be the same thing uh, like yourself. Like we're rekindling a friendship that we started freshman year, um, yeah. basically yeah. 1997 i want to say yep, yep. Uh, and then maybe 1998 and here we are and we're talking like as if we had always been speaking for a while right yeah that's cool i mean it's a, I, you've you hit on a couple of things that i want to talk about too so um I, I went to penn state and that's up in the sticks in the middle middle of pennsylvania and it's 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 clearly a different culture than than philly and um you know for me you know, I, I did the K through 12 Catholic education and then I, I went to a public you know, college um, and it was a culture shock. So for, I had the same sort of hit, I think, and I actually had this listed to talk to you about a little bit because, you know, I, I was, I, I was so secluded in my, you know, in my, in, in my little bubble of, you know, just the same people every year, they come to go to high school, the you know, people you see in grade school. And then all of a sudden you go to, you go to, um, you, know, you you go to a public you know university and you're seeing people from China all of a sudden and it's it's like it, it's it's complete it was it took me a I would say probably a solid year or so to sort of just you know embrace that a little more than like like you said instead of just like you know going inward and, and finding people like me just to sort of like just to start talking to them a little bit more right because it's just a different it's a different perspective um, the other thing I was bringing up too was I, I like you mentioned your travel to the, the Caribbean and I I just I did a quick just like look at your LinkedIn page and I saw that you have all these different places. I mean, what it sounds, I mean, I, I've done some traveling for work and luckily for me, I, I've only had to do, you know, like maybe once a quarter, that kind of thing. And it's like, you know, three or four days here and there, but it seems like you're doing it pretty heavily. You know, is, does that, does all these exotic places, does that wear off? I mean, what, which, which your I mean, and I'm sure it's like you said, a lot of different cultures. So how does that all, what does that taught you at this point? I mean, to your first point to, you know, maybe integrating into into college and being secluded is, um, you know, you see that a lot, right? Uh, and then to your second point on traveling, um, I, want, I, I think that um, it's become sort of like, you know, there's the person that goes to their office job from eight to five, they drive for 20 miles, right? And mm-hmm. they drive back for 20 miles. And I've basically taken it at the same time sort of rate right like i've said hey if i'm not on the road i'm not building relationships i'm not getting an experience for example today uh, i don't speak portuguese but i had to give a, a a sales training on portuguese because my customer in brazil they have 32 reps and they don't speak spanish or they don't speak english right so okay the fact that you travel and the fact that um, you kind of just say, hey, it's kind of like a sink or swim philosophy going to your initial point of when you went to Penn State 
and you were like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, where are my Christ the King cats? Where are my, <laughs> <laughs> where are the St. Catherine peeps? You know, like, yeah. I, need to, yeah. I need to map out the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 the landscape here because I, I don't understand what's going on. Um, then you kind of like, when I went to school in Michigan, I was like, all right, I'm going to Michigan. And, you know, I went to, it's a small town. You can run out of the town, basically. That's how small it is. So <laughs> you can run out of the town. And once you got in there, you're like, okay, I'm here. And I think I, I remember I went, I went there to play a sport, didn't work out. And I'm like, now I'm stuck, right? And and, and I just made the best of it, right? I mean, um, I was like you, kind of secluded in my own little bubble, reading a lot. Um, and then, you know, I joined a fraternity. Uh, and that kind of opened up a lot of things. And once that opened up a lot of things, it made me look at the world in a different perspective. And it made me realize that, you know, friendship with people who have different temperaments, talents, and conviction um, is a lot more uh, fruitful than, you know, having friendship with people who who think or come from the same place that you do. All right. So then it, 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 was, a, it was a learning curve, right? It wasn't easy, right? And then that's why I travel a lot, right? Because I'm used to being alone. I'm used to being the outsider at every place that I go. And um, from my business perspective, um, you know, the value that you have of knowing a market is, 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 is high, right? Because not many people do that. Many people get on a plane, leave on a Monday, come back on a Wednesday, right? But you're not really doing anything from the perspective because you're just meeting with a distributor and you're not understanding the entire landscape of the market, right? How are you going to be able to impact I don't know, um, shunt cells in Chile, if you've never gone to a hospital and talked to the vascular surgeon at that particular hospital, you just talk to a distributor who buys from you and they resell, right? The distributor is going to say, hey, this is the market, right? If you don't travel there, if you don't spend time there, you're not going to get to know it. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, that's, that's interesting perspective. Appreciate appreciate that. Um Okay, so we'll, we'll kind of move on to um, just some more topical stuff. I mean, obviously, we're, we're all sitting here quarantined in our, in our homes right now. So it's an interesting, interesting thing. And, um, you know, we've, we've chatted back and forth, like we mentioned on, on Facebook, just, you know, having some, some just courteous conversation. Um, I guess the first thing I would ask you is, uh, and this is, you know, we're not going to have any type of political views, any type of debate on this, but uh, it's not the forum for it. But I guess the, the sense I'm getting is that there's, everyone hangs on to their own ideology because of like an ego. Um, and I think it's stupid. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think, do you think there's, do you think it's just business as usual? Or do you think something's changed with social media or like, what do you, what, what do you see on your side? Um, this is something that's been bothering me for a while. Right. I mean, uh, I think that uh, I, I thought that, you know, social media would, would be more, um, more be prone to positive debates and to to more positive interaction, and it's had yeah. the 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 complete opposite, right? And I think it's the meme culture. It's a little bit of the woke culture. Like you have kids who um, who just by a click know that uh, criminal justice system is unfair, right? So um, they become uh, what's the word that I'm looking for here. Uh, kind of the idolatry, the idolatry of the wokeness, the idolatry of, hey, um, this is my political philosophy. You have to respect it. Um, you can't offend me for this. 
right? Uh, there's a bunch of things going on, right? It would take us probably maybe, I don't know, uh, it, a bunch of time to untangle. I mean, we have plenty <laughs> of tangles for quarantine. Um, yeah. and, and I, I do agree with you that uh, I think your characterization of it, it, it is stupid, right? I mean, it, because you're essentially um, creating what I like or, or what, what many people call is that you're creating tribal politics, right? So hmm. now, you know, uh, if you're a progressive, you're really from the, from the Dallas Cowboys team. And if you're a conservative, you're from the Philadelphia Eagles and you're supposed to hate each other. Yeah, right. There's no reason why. It's just because, you know. <laughs> and, and so yeah. even before you do, and then the other thing is that we're not, for 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 some reason, we're not really trained to listen to the other person. We're trained to respond to what the other person has to say. Um, and I think that's a critical skill that we've lost. And I'm not sure if we've lost that because um, – we live in a society where instant gratification is important. We live in a society where um, you need to get to a million dollars by the time you're 30. Uh, I don't know why, but that's a complex problem, right? That it's not being solved at schools. It's not being solved by social media and nobody's really paying attention to it. Cause I even see it with the political candidates. Even when we looked at um, uh, the 2016 election with the, with the Republican primary, you looked at the debates and nobody was really listening to each other. Um, and the same thing happened in a Demo democratic primary. So that's within one party. Uh, people are not really listening to each other. So I think that's, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head with one of them, which was um, the instant gratification culture. I mean, I, I, I see it on my side. You know, I, I have, I, I have a lot of conversations. I'm sure you do as well in, in, in your role. Um, you know, and, and to educate somebody an education, just, you can't just talk and educate somebody. You have to have somebody who's willing to listen. And, um, that takes, it takes credibility. And the other guy on the other side of the Facebook page that's typing normally, you know, like it's, it's, Oh, it's just Kenny from high school. What does he know about, you know, about Dems and Republicans kind of thing. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of the, that, and, and that, nothing against you. It's just, it's just, the, it's just an example. Like, people automatically shut things out because, um, and, and it's, another part of it is we've all been lied to. I mean, we, we've seen this, you know, this world health organization debacle sort of unfolding and, you know, it, it's the, the truth, the truth is so far bend it in so many different directions that I think we're all just, I had, again, we had another guest the other day talk about the infodemic where, you know, you want to hang your hat on something, nothing, everything's just jello. <laughs> so he's, there's no, there's no, nothing to grasp on at this point. So it's, it's interesting. We're an interesting spot in, in, in humanity because we, we can accomplish so much, but we're also like we're being counterproductive in so many different ways. Um, I guess the, the last sort of point I would I put to that is, you know, I mean, I, I'm a I'm an economics and political science major. That's my you know my training. And you know, if you were to look at just the straight numbers, you look at profit maximization, and you, you see things and. You know all this stuff going on right now with with, with the the bailouts and everything. You know I should technically be against all of it, but at the same time, we can't just have two hundred people in this country with all the money because that's not going to work either. So there has to be some sort of you know override to just the the uh, the drain that that is going into the pockets of just the, the richest people. So um, you know that's that's where I have to listen because you know fortunately or unfortunately I'm not one of those two hundred people, so I, I have to just make sure I'm you know, taking care of my own. 
But on the other side, it's not right that people are going to be losing their homes because of, you know, just the way that the things operate. And that's the way this, this country is structured right now, unfortunately. Right. I mean, I think, too, we have sort of we don't understand something about the country. Right. So, I mean, I think we our civil war was in 1855. Uh, it ended in 1865. Right. More or less. I think 61. Um, but OK. It's fair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 61. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. so six years of war. And African-Americans didn't really get civil rights uh, legislation until 1965. Sounds right, yeah. So things take time, right? I mean, we're not perfect um, by all means of, of the imagination. Um, they take time. You know, women took time to get the right to vote. Um, and I think that... Um, or what I see it, I don't think it's really a cultural or an age thing. I think it's people because that instant gratification culture, they feel that, you know, things can get achieved overnight. Right. I mean, yeah, they're not going to, I mean, you have 200 years of history telling you it takes time and you feel that it's going to take time with a Republican philosophy, that it's not going to take time with a Republican philosophy or with a Democrat philosophy. Right. I mean, and that's where people need to step back and say, hey, perspective, right? Uh, and there are things that need to be fixed, but you can only fix, you know, one thing at one election cycle at a time. You can't fix four at one election cycle at a time. If you even look at, um, um, you know, at the agenda that Trump had for the last four years, he had a lot of things that he wanted to achieve. I think he's achieved the tax breaks, basically, because nominating Supreme Court justices is kind of like something that you do, right? I mean, that's that's part yeah. of the job. That's not really, you don't run to be president to nominate a Supreme Court justice, right? That happens because, you know, it happened to be that on your turn, you needed to nominate somebody. Um, and, you know, and if you look at Bush uh, in the 2000, which was our high school years, you know, he was able to do a lot more because he had 9-11, right? So he was able to do the Patriot Act. He was able to do the tax cuts. Um, and he was able to do the war in Iraq. If you're for or against, that's irrelevant. Um, but then for the next four years, what was he able to do, right? He wasn't able to do much. Uh, so, you know, and then if you look at Obama, you look at the same thing. Yeah, he was able to do the Affordable Health Care Act. Um, he was able to do a lot of things in foreign policy, but on the domestic side, I think a lot of things that he wanted to achieve, he wasn't able to achieve. Um, and I think we need to be realistic about what we can do in four years. And once we understand that, then I think um, as a political audience, right? You know, once we understand that, then I think that maybe uh, we're ready to listen, right? Because now we're going to realize, hey, we can't fix the environment and healthcare at the same time. Uh, not because it can't be done, but because the system is not designed for it to be done that way. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And 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 like and like he's mentioned, you know, maybe the maybe the the healthcare isn't on the agenda for this term. Maybe it's it's the environment or whatever, and that's what we focus it on. And and maybe there's some middle ground that can be achieved for both. That's easy. But you know, like I said, it, it's it's just a it's a it's a back and forth sort of you know power play by different parties and, and lobbyists and everything else that goes on. Um, all right, we'll, we'll turn we'll, we'll turn the attention a little bit to uh, to the, the coronavirus. Um, now, this is this question is, is is to be you know just just off the cuff. You know, overall, how would you grade the government's response A to F 
and this is not you know not pointing the finger at any particular branch or like that but like how how would you and you, you can even say state and then the federal like how would you grade the responses from the from from from, from the government from this i think it's too early to tell right i mean we're trying to judge a response from a from a pandemic that that it's too early to tell we're not going to know until we sit back and say a could have been done differently. B could have been done differently. Um, and I, 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 I try to be very cautious about this because um, then I have a coach from high school who writes to me all the time, and he's a he's a conservative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to be okay. Well, let me let me give it some time, right? You know, let me be part of the change. Let me not be the one that just you know um, throws an arrow. I mean, because. If we look at the description of what's going on, uh, it's easy to say uh, we really haven't done the job that we were expecting the U.S. to do as a country. Uh, But then, you know, you realize that, okay, well, now we're in the problem, right? We can't really discuss because people think that we could have put a bubble in the United States and, you know, stopped everybody from coming in. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) if that wasn't going to happen, then you X that. Pro, you X that possibility out, right? Um, could you have ordered more PPE masks while that was going on? That wasn't going to happen either because, you know, China has 95% of the manufacturing of hospital grade masks, right? I think there's one company in Texas um, that manufactures inside of the U.S., right? So much there you couldn't do, right? So, I mean... Um, maybe at face value, we can say the messaging was wrong. Uh, we probably can say that, right? Because the messaging was probably wrong. Um, but for now we need, I think we need to wait, right? Because we don't know what's going to happen within the next 90 days. There is think, no 30, 60, 90 day plan. <laughs> yeah. And, and the plans are probably going to change three times between now and then too. So, um, you know, I mean, even at the state level, I mean, you can say, well, uh, Cuomo in New York is doing a great job. Um, and then somebody might say, well, they have patient zero. How come they didn't track all the all the pa- all the people that that patient met with uh, and quarantine them? So there are a lot of things. Um, and this is the great thing about our country is that um, accountability is shared. Right. Um, Mm. You know, I mean, Florida had a distinct response to the virus than California, for for example. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to add to like, I think when New York first had the outbreak, they they put in like National Guard troops around a town that had, I think, like 10 people that had it or something like that. And it still got out. So, I mean, at some point it was just it just was beyond the control of any one human or any group of humans. I think it was, it, it was just, it just was, it was traveling at that point. Right. So. Yeah. And, and I'm careful because if people are already pointing fingers, um, then um, my instinct tells me that there's more for us to know. Um, I, what I've read was that there are memos going around from the white house that, um, you know, the president was warned mm-hmm. um, by not, by somebody at a very high level 
Um, and what I say to that is, okay, well, you get warm from a virus and then, you know, but you don't know the conversation that happens, right? They don't know. Um, he probably gets a list of 20 different things a day that could potentially be disaster. Right. And he has to, he has to make decisions on that. And, and the interesting thing, I mean, this was something I kind of took from it. And, um, it, it was he, the, when he closed the, the air traffic from China, he was taking a lot of heat and it turned out that again, like he probably couldn't stop it, but maybe it stopped, you know, 20 more outbreaks from happening all at once. And all of a sudden we're just completely overwhelmed with it. So, like you said, it was, we're still kind of early and like some, some of the facts are starting to sort of drip out and um, it's a tough, I mean, it's a tough job. And I think the part of it is that he, this guy's got this job and, and love him or hate him. No matter what he says, people are going to criticize him for it. It's, it's either his own party or the other side and, and, and they, they just dig their heels in. And that's, that's kind of what I was trying to get at with this, this conversation is it's the good, the goodwill that, that this guy He's getting better information. He's got the CIA. He's got you know the health organizations all kind of feeding him information. He's getting better information than you and I have on yeah. Facebook memes, right? So yeah. that's the yeah, that's the important thing. And and what he does with it, that's 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 his leadership style, and that's his fault, you know, or or you know, or triumph, depending how he, how he does. But you know, I think there's that's the reason for governors to delegate power to somebody who has oversight that that we don't have, and that that's that's where I am with it at this point. It may be, you know. Um, this is kind of, it happened in the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? Everybody thinks that, you know, that Kennedy and his brother solved this whole situation, but there's a story behind that, right? There is a, there's a book called The Essence of Decision that gives you sort of the way bureaucracy works inside of the, uh, uh, of the U.S. government. And it's not easy, right? I mean, I think that, um, you know, I think the only fault here is that, or I would say that, you know, maybe they didn't, I would say that maybe the threat was understated. Uh, and, you know, you might say, hey, you understated the threat and, and whatnot, but we're playing with Monday's newspapers uh, to fix Sunday's problems, right? So it's <laughs> easy for us to kind of say, hey, you should have done A. Um, but you know, you have markets to, to worry about. Um, you have, you didn't know what was going on in China. Uh, you had no idea what was going on in Asia. Like you said, uh, the world health organization really isn't, didn't do much of a better job. Right. I mean, because they were more worried about naming the virus than saying, Hey, um, I think it might be a good idea for us to stop all flights going out of China. Right. Yeah, they actually they actually could have recommended that. Right. That could have been a recommendation. It, it could have been. And I, I guess a part of it was they were they were getting incomplete information or biased information from a regime that doesn't you know, that we, we're not we're not in China. So I really don't care. But, you know, they're, they're not the uh, they don't have the best human rights history over there. So it's, it's just an interesting concept. And I guess the other you know part of it is, is um, you know, it, Unfortunately, Trump has is in a he's now played now he ever since that initial I think he went one for one when he did the Chinese ban basically and after that he he's 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 been playing catch up ever since because he it, it, it wasn't just you know China it was Europe which he eventually did but it wasn't enough and it's just so many different spots and I, I think you know I, when I posted this on Facebook like this our economy and I'm, I'm kind of switching gears a little bit here but our economy is not it's not designed for this and. This, this, just from everything I know, every 
every instinct in my body and, and, and the, the colleagues that I have that I've, I've been in touch with, they know that the end result of this is, is not good. I mean, it just goes on. These bailouts will, will not stop. You, you think you have, you know, if, 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 if the government's expecting, you know, I think it was 30 million link, the, the mortgages defaulting in the next six months. Like, who's going to pay the teachers to, to educate kids in, in September? Like, you know, all these things, like, if they're not paying their mortgage, they're not getting the, the states, the, the cities aren't getting their, their, it just goes on and on. So where does it all end? And that's, that's what scares the, the, the hell out of me. You know, it's like, when, when do you, when do you just open this thing up and say, you want know nature's got to take its course and it's just going to be what it is. And, and, then, and then now, unfortunately, everyone's so scared, stuck in their houses that they, because of the, the, the messaging of this, it's, it's almost impossible now to kind of, you know, change course and try to do that you know, and short of putting guns in people's heads which you know china might do but we can't do that here <laughs> we can but it, it hasn't happened in the past but uh, but it's not not going to end well so it's it's interesting interesting time yeah i mean if you uh, I, I was reading something that um they were showing data prior for example in ohio prior to the mandated lockdown um and i think it's open table or something to that extent that you know restaurant traffic had gone down because of the coronavirus so mm. people were already doing social distancing and the real problem with our economy is that our economy is not a social distance economy right we weren't yeah like you said we weren't really built for that so if people don't go to restaurants if people don't go uh, to school if people don't get back uh, to work if airports don't open if people don't feel comfortable traveling um if you know your sales rep that sells a heart valve doesn't go to the the to to the hospital to meet with the cardiac surgeon how are you going to jumpstart the economy right i mean um and i think what happens is that um we're kind of saying okay quarantine 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 but in and i think maybe this would be my my criticism of, of, of the Trump administration is that it doesn't seem like we have a plan, right? Um, and I don't know if maybe they do have a plan and they're just trying to see how things plan out and pan out. And they're like, okay, well, if, you know, scenario A happens, we do B. If scenario C happens, we do D, but we're not going to communicate it until that happens, right? I don't know if that's the game, uh, the you know, the game set there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, um, I think that we see a lot more discussion and opinion pages of different papers about what should be done. Um, and we don't see that even at the Senate level. Right. I mean, I think that um, I read an article by Elizabeth Warren in the New York Times and she kind of had a plan. It's the first one that I've seen from from Congress. Right. So I don't and there should be a lot more debate. I think one of my um one of my colleges college um classmates he was kind of asking questions like okay we're, we're quarantined i understand that we need to do this to flatten the curve so that our hospital infrastructure doesn't get overwhelmed but what are we going to do after right and that's coming from a person who maybe is eight, i think if in 20 years i've read one political post from him is too much um maybe it was and he was generally just asking questions. And I think that that would be my, my only early criticism is that, okay, we don't have a plan. Um, and I'm not sure if that's. I think you're, right. you're right on Kenny. Huh? With, with the, I think you're right on with the uh, slow release of the balloon. Like they can't pop the balloon. They have to slowly release the air out of it. 
And like you said, maybe they, they, they pause and they let, you know, you, you can't tell people in, in, in March, you know, we're going to be done until September or, or we're, we're going to be like this for 18 months because people will panic. I mean, they, they kind of did already. But if you tell them it's going to be 18 months, that's, that's, that's Armageddon, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's different. And it, and it gives people it gives them the opportunity to change the the, the you know the narrative as, as time goes on. And I'm just talking through this too because I'm just trying to figure it. Out. I mean, I'm not trying to figure it out. It's, it's above my pay grade, but just trying to at least understand you know what, what the options are. And that's 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 it's, it's hard. <laughs> but this is to your point that you were going to. I remember that in, in earlier in the conversation you were like you're like no, well you know if somebody posts on my Facebook, well, why is this guy posting about? And I think we need to. Um, I think I don't know. When this happened, right? But I think people started um, avoiding taking a stance or making or having an opinion because they thought that having an opinion is kind of uh, what's the word that I'm looking here for? It, it, having an opinion means that you're not being nice. Sure. You're, you're, life yeah, is you're... not about being nice. Life is about you know solving a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And, we have a discussion, like you said, but my question is, are they having these brainstorm sessions above our pay grade, you know, or are we, I mean, is it more like, you know, the democratic side is waiting for, for things to unfold kind of like hurricane Katrina or hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and say, Hey, I told you so. And if that's the case, then we have, uh, Big problem. 30 years, <laughs> 30 rough years ahead of us. Yeah. Right. And we have more problems than, than coronavirus. Um, and that's where I see that. Uh, I don't see the sort of, and, you know, and looking back at it now, um, maybe some things were done wrong in 9 11, right? Patriot Act could be one of those things that was given too much power to the government. Um, but I saw a lot more solidarity. I saw more, um, patriotism um and that i don't see today right i don't see that patriotism with people who are not earning enough to make a living right who have to be um you know bagging groceries um helping stock supermarkets or doing public transportations right i mean everybody's talking about uh the nurse and, and the nurses and the healthcare uh, um, professionals and the people who clean the hospitals, but there are people who who have to go out uh, and work because they don't have a choice, right? And maybe this is yeah. something to what's happening in Detroit, where you have, you know, uh, a higher death rate for African Americans, right? I mean, we're not really looking at that, and and, and I think that um, I think you you had a post in your LinkedIn page where we've kind of switched we went from you know we're in survival mode right um yeah we're going nuts and they're going to the supermarket and they're, they're just buying whatever they can get their hands on um and we're forgetting about our fellow human being and i think that we need to reassess ourselves as a country and say um okay what is the american identity in the 21st century because it is completely different than it was maybe 30 40 years ago right um, our, our, our makeup as a population is different um, and it's going to be different. It's not going to change, right? I mean, it's, um, it's only going to get more diverse and, it, and we're only going to get come from different backgrounds because um, I think people need to realize that kind of like you're, um, I mean, 
you're the victim of your own success, right? So the U.S. economy always boasted better quality of life to be in that, um, you know, um, that house on the on 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 the hill, right? That the yeah. of life for humanity, and you basically said you need to come here to have a high quality of life, right? So I mean, if your marketing works, people will come, and that's basically what happened, right? I mean, we're not going to get the U.S. from the 1950s or the 1920s or the 1970s or even the 1980s. Right? It's going to be a different U.S. And we need to understand what that identity is going to be. Um, because otherwise, I don't know if you ever read the book by Samuel Huntington, Clash of Civilizations. We're going to have a clash of civilizations within the U.S. And that's going to be uh, problematic for us. I think we are in some regards, right? I mean, and I think it, it leads to these, you're starting to see these small little outbursts of violence here and there. And you know, all these things that have been going on for the last, I mean, in, in reality, I mean, in reality, I was, I was talking to my dad, you know, the other day, he's 73. And he was saying, you know, the same thing happened in the 70s, like when, when people were, you know, were after, you know, 69, and they start withdrawing troops from, from Vietnam, and, you know, Nixon thing went down. And he goes, you know, I just, I just went to the bar for 10 years and just called it a day. <laughs> it was, it was his choking, choking comment, because it was just, you know, it was just sort of mayhem. So I think, what, what what happened though is you're right. They did find the identity in the '80s, and that kind of stuck around with the boomers for '80s, '90s, and you know, let's call it the, until 2008, let's say. And now I think like Generation X and, and the millennials are sort of slowly starting to get into into their own little, you know, into their own. And the identity is still yet to be really established, I think. And I think there's, there, like you said, there's two conflicting ideologies that we're just not going to not going to easily just you know, capitulate on, on one or the other. So that's pretty cool. That's, that's, this is good. This is good stuff, uh, Kenny. Um, you know, we, we can sit here and talk politics all day long and I, I don't really want to hold you up for too long. So we'll, we'll kind of go through, uh, do, do you want to have a parting thought with that before we kind of move on or any, anything else you want to add to that? Um, no, I mean, I think that, um, I think we historically we've always been divided, right? I mean, whether it was when we first started as a country where people, didn't want to give states the rights, whether it was a civil war or whether it was during the Cold War. Um, I don't think the division is a problem. I think is because the division there wasn't, wasn't the intent was not to, um, to make a caricature of the other side, right? So mm -hmm. what we see today is that, um, and you have, and the problem is that social media and, and, and these news outlets that aren't really vetted, um, they're trying to make a caricature either of the conservative side, right? Or a caricature of the democratic side. And that's their purpose. That's your agenda. If we don't change that, it'll be very hard because before, I mean, um, if you wanted to talk politics, you needed to know something today. You don't need to know anything. You look at a meme and, and you know what you're talking about, right? Supposedly. Um, and I think that's 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 the heart of the problem. And it, it doesn't mean that you need to be certified to talk about politics. No, but at the very least, you need to understand the problem and, you know, propose a prescription within the system that we have. Right. I can't I can't say, hey, the Supreme Court should in, should impeach the president because it just doesn't work that way. Right. Uh, yeah. And uh, and I think that's. That's where we we need to we need to focus on the next thirty years because otherwise, it's going to be a tough twenty first century. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree. We, the last thing we want is my biggest fear is that the economic, you know, the, the economic de- depression that is to come is big enough to us to lose the you know, the power that we have, you know, in, in the world and the countries such as China move in that, again, the United States has has big problems, right? But at the same time, I think there's some level of, like, if you see, if you see something on TV, it's happening. If you see people, you know, getting hoarded up and it, it, like concentration camps sort of thing, it's not, it's not going to fly here at some point if it's on TV, especially on social. Maybe 100 years ago, things happened, obviously, and and I'm not trying to downplay that, but at the same time, I think that, you know, there's some good in this country that we have and we have to, um, we got, we got to stick through that. Um, let me ask you this. And this is a little bit off topic. Um, so are you, are you from a, from a standpoint of, of like your travel and stuff like that? Do you, do you get the sense that the perception of America has, has changed even in your career? Or do you think it's still pretty much right where it was, it was when, when you first started in the business? I mean, you have, I would say, you have four types of perception. You have the perception that, you know, um, um, that the United States is sort of um, the best country to be in. uh, And that because you work in the United States, um, you should have the best quality of life. I think there's, here's my thing with memes. There's a meme going around. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it says, um, worker in the United States earns $5,000 per year. Worker in Puerto Rico earns $3,000 per year. Working in worker in South America earns, uh, $400 per month. That's the problem, right? The, the meme yeah. says, uh, and so you have that perception from people that says, Hey, no, you can earn more money in the United States. Not really true, but that's the perception, right? Then you have the other perception that says, well, the U.S. has a better system because they've kind of exploited everybody else, right? So that's that's more of a, um, of a critique of the United States. And then you have another one that says, mm, I don't know much about it, um, but I do know that it's the place to go, right? Um, and then you have a fourth one that basically says, um, look, you know, the best place for you to be in is in the United States. That's where you need to be in, right? So yeah. that's kind of, I would say, the four, and you can probably draw a diagram and you can say, hey, it can gravitate a little bit more towards that. They can be kind of like axis, right? And and people can gravitate towards those axes outside of the United States. So that's kind of like the perception from outside. Okay. In Fair Latin America and the Caribbean, right? I mean, sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess you haven't been all over the world, but it seems like you have a, a pretty diverse set of different places, and you know, then they have different cultures and forms of government and everything else. So it's it's pretty interesting. Um, let me ask you this: so I'm, I'm going to flip the script now. I, I like to do this for a question. I'm going to let you just interview me for a question. Interview me for a question. Anything you want. Nothing's off limits. Uh, we can just chat about it, and um, you know, we'll kind of go from there. Uh, I mean, so you talked a little bit about the culture shock that you had at Penn State. Can you, you know, what were the things that shocked you uh, from going to Penn State with, during those first year that was different from your Catholic upbringing? Um, yeah, no, well, a lot of things. I mean, I, I guess one, um, you know, and, the, and, and at the same time, I was starting to work, too. I had, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was working at a PNC bank. So, I, you know, in, 
you were a, um, a participant in this. I mean, my high school and my, my grade school was predominantly, you know, white Catholics. I mean, it was probably, you know, 80, 85, maybe even 90 percent in, in that category. And they all shared, you know, like an Irish heritage or whatever. And it wasn't like neighborhood tribalism or anything like that. But, you know, it certainly was an underlying sort of theme. And um, all of a sudden you get let loose in the world and you meet people that are, you're, you know, you get somebody who's Southern Baptist and you're just like, whoa, these guys are, you know, that's interesting, you know, <laughs> like it's an interesting concept. And then you have people that are atheists and, you know, they just want to graffiti you for, for walking by the church or something. <laughs> so you, you have all these different things going on. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a introspective a lot. I, I, I look at myself and just try to figure out what's going on. It's just, but just by nature. So I think that was just, it was just a little overwhelming. And he, I think it took some time for me to compartmentalize, you know, like these are people aren't bad. It's just different, you know, and you have to sort of just see them for who they are and you can make friends with them or not. That's your choice. But you know, it's, it's, they're not going to change because of who you are and where you came from, unfortunately or fortunately. So that was it. All right. Um, and second question would be, um, once you, well, I mean, you've been working for a while, but like once you got into or you kind of said, hey, this is a career that I want to do um, and you move forward and you started meeting customers, uh, what was your perception then? Right. Because, I mean, I know that your initial perception to different people with different backgrounds was kind of a culture shock in, in Penn State. But once you moved on to the corporate uh, world and you were now, because I'm sure you've met people from all different walks, walks of life as, um, yeah. in, the of, in the line of job that you, I mean, how was that, how, how was that for you then? It gets easier. I mean, I think so. one of my, the biggest client I've ever had was a, um, a gay couple. Um, and uh, it, it was, you know, they were sort of brought to you in this box of, you know, here's a client you need to, you know, they're, they're a big revenue source, you know, you have to talk to them and you start reading through their names and you sort of see like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's Bob and Joe. And you're like, Oh, okay. You know, like they're gay. Okay. Fair, fair enough. And having, you know, the, the, the upbringing that I had and it, you know, it wasn't like we were, you know, we weren't burning crosses or anything like that at, at, at high school, but it was a different, different mindset. And I think you have to, it became easier, I think, like I said, once you sort of compartmentalize things and said, like, you know, these guys are not going to be, I'm, I'm not going to be able to convert them. It's not my job to convert them. My job is to make sure that they, they have planning in place, make sure they're prepared for you know, legislation that might come down the line five, 10 years from now and tell them that their marriage is not, you know, not legit. And then they have all these things going on. Um, so I, I think you just sort of grow up and, you know, there's some people out there that just will flat out refuse to, to service them. And I think that's, that's great. They're people like at the end of the day, they're just people trying to live their lives. And I think that's, that's basically the lowest, that's the, the common denominator that I like to get to is that people are people. I mean, there's people that are good. There's people that are, they're just like me that are complete jerks and I, I wouldn't want to work with them because they're just jerks, you know, and you have to, you have to sort of explore that, I think. And you can't just assume because somebody's one thing or another, you have to, um, you have to automatically jump to that conclusion that we that we've talked about with politics too. I think it all kind of goes about like politics are local, and when you're dealing with people and they have different upbringings than you, uh, sometimes conclusions get jumped to, and, and that, that's what happens. Um. So my final question is: um, mm -hmm. uh, given what you know today of what happened with COVID nineteen, which has been the topic of the of the discussion, right? Mm -hmm. Um. If you had, let's say, you were you were Peter Navarro, the trade advisor to the um, 
to to Donald Trump and you were in his role and you only know what you know up until today at 424 p.m. <laughs> uh, in the afternoon Eastern time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be your advice to the president of the United States? We're opening up in two weeks. Get people that are uh, immunocompromised and people over, let's call it 50 years old, um, isolate it. Give them supplies for six months. Um, and, and, and that, and we had to open for business because the alternative is, is going to be stimulus package to stimulus package. It's, and I told my dad this theory a few weeks ago, he goes, don't tell people that because people are gonna think you're nuts. And I'm like, well, I think it's the only way out of this. And I think that as, as they're playing through this a little bit, I think that's pretty much where it's going to be in, in, in a month from now is they're going to have to say, look, we're opening up. If you feel like you're not going to be again like it's a slow release of the balloon but they should have just they should just pop the balloon in that case and said lock yourself away for a year we'll come and get you in, in next january or something whatever it is um when we find it when we find a vaccine and um the other part of it is i think there needs to be some stimulus i think we're there, there need to be stimulus um for you know for for things that are like like infrastructure uh with maybe uh, like electric cars things to help um you know, help the environment a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm not somebody, I'm not, you know, I'm not a big guy for global warming or like that, but at the same time, I, I, if there's a, if there's a reason to do something, it means, you know, I don't want to breathe in smog the rest, the rest of my life. Then I think it's good to do that. And then also fix the the crumbling infrastructure that we have, especially now that people are not working. It's, it's a great, great opportunity. I mean, I think that's a, that's a, that's a great plan. I mean, from the, and then, you know, I think I would, I would, I would, challenge your father to, to say that there are a lot of um, medical people saying, hey, um, there was an article in the New York Times by an, a doctor who's an epidemiologist who said, hey, um, uh, you know, we can't quarantine forever, right? Because quarantine isn't going to kill the virus. So it isn't like, uh, you know, the virus is going to go away. It's only going to affect the people that, we, that, that it infects. We don't know how the virus is going to behave on the person who recovers, right? People can right. fall again and whatnot. So I think, you know, to your point, I would say that um, the problem is that it's not the mainstream narrative, right? The mainstream narrative is flatten the curve, right? And I, I don't know if um, I would like to see, I would like to have a crystal ball and say, what if President Trump had said, hey, we need to quarantine in February, right? What would be the narrative today? Yeah. Right. I mean, it'd be an interesting exercise, right? Because I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I feel that. Yeah. That, you know, we're not I think you made a point earlier that, you know, we're not given the benefit of the doubt. Um, but, you know, I don't know if if much of it and, and, and Trump is at fault for this. Right. Because he picked the fight with the media. He said, I'm going to be I'm going to fight the media. I'm going to fight them from day one. Right. Uh, yeah. So the media have said, OK, you're going to fight with me and and. and we're going to make it happen then. Um, so- <laughs> yeah. I guess one point I would add to that too, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but um, is the, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. I'm, I apologize. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Kenny. What, what were you going to say? No. And that's what, that's kind of like the exercise that I was getting. It's like, yeah. what would happen if we would go back in time and Trump would do the opposite, right? Just because I want to do the control and variable experiment to see, because what I see in the country is that, and like I said, one of my coaches from Philadelphia feels that um, the news are against the president, right? Um, he's like, and he, and he has to listen to these sources. And he, he sent me 
uh, a bunch of YouTube videos from people. I think there's a there's an Indian guy out of Massachusetts who's running for Senate who has this theory of what to do and 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 on and it's it's on the fringes, right? Um, uh, and you're like people have to go out of the mainstream to get their news because they feel that the mainstream news is basically uh, picking a fight with their guy. And on yeah. LinkedIn, I also saw one of my, he was the, um, the president of the house chapter from her fraternity. Uh, he's a dentist, Dr. Kaplan. He was basically, uh, there was a, there was a meme or there was a picture, you know, Hey, cup Trump a break. He's like, yeah, we have too many haters. Right. So, I kind of want to see if, if it's true, right? If it's true from the other side that, hey, you're picking a fight with the president because of who he is. No, not because of what he does, right? And that would yeah. that would be an interesting experiment to play out to see if it's <laughs> if it's true or not. It's true. I mean, it's, unfortunately, we can't we can't play these different you know universes, I guess, right? And we're we're in reality. And my other point I was going to the point I forgot a minute ago was um, we we have a situation where the, the everyone everything is controlled by people above 50 years old we have the president the vice president the secretary you know everything is controlled by people who are who are biased in, in their situation to to keep the country closed as long as possible because they're the ones who are more more susceptible than than the, the majority of the younger people um so it's 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 just a, a real interesting real interesting uh <laughs> time right now it's it's really what it is uh, one, one more thing, Kenny. So I, I'm going to give you just a minute just to, just to like kind of you know give your your value prop for what you do. Um, you know, any, anything else you want to add, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up today. If that's cool with you. Okay. Yeah. So Kenny, uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, just kind of share with us, you know, th- what you like to talk about. Most most likely, you said it was politics, but you just if you want to share like more about what you do a little bit, and just you know who who the good. What, what more about what you know? What you what you enjoy about you know about the uh, about your work, and we'll kind of wrap up from there. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, my, my I also enjoy to read a lot. I read a lot of literature, so I'm always reading and reading and reading. Um, you know, my other my other major in school was uh, writing, so I'm a writer by by trade. I've never been able to to write anything because you realize that you have to pay the bills. So that's how I got into <laughs> sales. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy being in medical devices sales. I enjoy speaking with surgeons. I enjoy uh, being that peripheral vision for my vascular surgeons because um, uh, sometimes, you know, they have a lot of things on their plate and, you know, they might say, hey, I have problem A. Hey, have you thought about maybe doing it this way, right? And maybe this can solve your problem. And more than often the surgeon would say, Hey, I didn't know that, that we can do that. Right. Um, so that's very valuable to me. And, and, you know, I spend a lot of time reading clinical studies for vascular surgery. So I always told my surgeons that I'm this, you know, this med student that continues to fail the first semester and continues to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. Cause I have to read basically all the stuff they don't want to read. Um, <laughs> so I enjoy that a lot. Um, and you know, and that, that's about it, right? I mean, from from the from the personal point of view, I always enjoy the conversation. Many of my closest friends are um, are conservative, but I'm a Democrat, right? I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy I gravitate more towards people who are moderates or or conservatives because they have a different point of view than I have, right? And uh, I always like to learn more from the other side, not because I think that. 
my arguments are better or my position is better, but because I genuinely care about what um, the other philosophy philosophy might have to offer. Right. So, um, but that's about it. Cool. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, again, this is the uh, sixth episode of Relentless. We'll be back in probably about a week or so. Um, so until next time, thank you. Bye-bye.